When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. We are at the end of our holiday series with episode 12. Hope everybody enjoyed the previous episodes. We've got something for everybody. We've got Blackberry Smoke, album review, Led Zeppelin deep cuts, Kiss discussions, Motley Crue discussions, Butch Walker, Y&T, favorite albums of 2019. And we are going to end with the grand finale, which is the Iron Maiden Legacy Show. Basically, all things Iron Maiden, the impact of Maiden on myself and on our guest, who's joined us previously with discussions on Kiss and Van Halen, Mr. Justin Barron. How you doing, Justin? I'm good, Jay. How are you, man? What's going on? I'm good, man. Just tying everything down. You know, the real world starts again on Monday. I think everyone's kind of been kind of sleepwalking through the holidays here or in between the holidays, not knowing what day it is. But the first of the year really is Monday when you get back to work and you get back to the grind and you get back to reality. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, (laughs) you know, slowly come out of the, uh, the holiday, I the holiday haze, the holiday excitement, all of that stuff. Yeah, you know, um, and when New Year's and Christmas is in the middle of the week, it gives you that like, all right, is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? And you're like, shit, it's Monday. <laughs> you're like, right? You know, right. It's, it's it's uh, right. It's crazy how that works. I think next year, because of the leap year, Christmas Eve is going to be on a Friday, and New Year's Eve will be on a Friday. So, or New Year's Eve will be on a Saturday. I think. I don't know. Wow. No, no, it'll be on wow. a Friday. Yeah, it'll be on a Friday. So, um, but yeah, so welcome back. Glad to have you back it's on. Great to be here. Yeah, I know, I know we talked about doing this episode over the summer because you went to the Legacy Maiden Tour and we were going to reconvene and do a, do a podcast about that because I didn't go to that show, unfortunately. I had to miss it, but I was at the Book of Souls show two years prior which was the last album tour Maiden did. And you got to experience kind of their greatest hits live. Maiden kind of does that and has been doing that now for, I think, the past decade where they do a new album and they tour with that and then they come back around and they do like their legacy show, which has all their greatest hits. Not to say that they don't do that on their album tours. They do probably have, you know, six to eight 
greatest hits that they do on their album tour. The rest is all off the new album. But it gives the audience a chance to experience both, you know, new material, which is what the lifeline of the band is, you know, continuing to produce new music. And then it gives also the opportunity or gives the opportunity to the audience to experience the songs that they grew up with or they connected with throughout their life, which I think is really cool that they do both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I've seen them do, you know, I saw them on the um, A Matter of Life and Death tour where they played just that album, and which really alienated a lot of people, which I didn't quite understand because, you know, for the most part, contemporary Iron Maiden music is, is um, it's, it's really good. It's really interesting. Like, it, it's not one of those bands that come back and, you know, make these albums. It's like, I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. You know, it's like, I enjoyed the heck out of it, you know, but, um, you know, I, I'll see, I'll, I'll see a greatest hit show. I will go see them play their new album. I don't really care. You know, um, a hundred percent, you know, the, yeah. the, hundred percent. Their 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 new material, I, I think, is just as strong as their early material. And some people may say, "What are you talking about? You're crazy!" You know, "Number of the Beast" and "Peace of Mind" and "Power Slave" and all those albums are absolute classics, and they are. I'm not I'm not saying they're not, but like you just said, man. I mean, their their newer stuff, whether it's "Book of Souls," whether it's "Matter of Life and Death," whether it's "Brave New World," uh, "Final Frontier," they've got great material on all their albums, you know, I mean, some of their songs that they've done, you know, that are more contemporary, like you said, whether it's Passchendaele, whether it's uh, Blood Brothers, whether it's, you know, the stuff off the new album, like Speed of Light, it's phenomenal. It's awesome. I mean, Matter of Life and Death is a great album. Oh, I love it. I, you know, that's a, that's like one of my, uh, I mean, it's up there, you know, I want to say... Man, it's a classic album. It, it's it's definitely a favorite. Um, you know, like I said, I actually bought tickets to for about man. I feel like it was a half a dozen buddies. I, you know, I went to the ticket broker over on uh, downtown in the Board of Trade building on Jackson Street there, and he had all these tickets for like you know half price. I don't remember what it was. It was a while ago, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I, I brought a bunch of my friends, and they were kind of like, well, they played the new album and they were they still, I mean, they played a half dozen hits at the end, you know, you know, two minutes to midnight, number of the beast and, and, um, you know, probably Iron Maiden, but it was like, man, I'm sorry. Sorry. You don't own the album. That that's, it's, that's a great record. And I, and I liked it more than some of their newer ones. Like, um, the final frontier. I, I don't like as much as, you know, the book of souls and, and uh, Matter, Life, and Death, I like more than A Brave New World. But they're all um, interesting and good, you know. It, it's like, here's a band that's been in, full, full, you know, 40 years. And, and uh, now they have, they've had people leave and then come back. And now they have three lead guitar players in the band. And it's like, and they, they'll have a section of the song where each guitar player will take a lead. And it's like, awesome. <laughs> you know, I love it. Um, because each player is a little different, and uh, you know, one of the things I got to say is, it, it, you know, uh, at this last show, not any different from the other shows, but what I what I really tuned into, um, and seeing them a few months ago was just how much fun they look like they're having. 
you know, obviously they're making a lot of money, but they, they seem to like really like each other and, uh, enjoy being up there, which is, which is great. You know, it's like, you know, we, we've talked about Van Halen in the past and I've heard, you know, Sammy Hagar talk about leaving, you know, the reunion tour and the, everyone's gone their separate ways and haven't spoken to each other since. And there's been interviews with David Lee Ross says he and the Van Halen brothers aren't really friends. And that's, that's kind of a bummer, you know, and the maiden guys seem like they're all, uh, they, they seem like they could be hanging out, um, at a pub after, after the show, you know, at a bar and, uh, and enjoying each other's family. So enjoy enjoying each other's company. The energy that they have on the stage, like you said, is is second to none. I mean, when you consider their age right now, I mean, some of these guys are approaching 70, and whether it's Bruce Dickinson, whether it's Steve Harris, whether it's the three guitar players that you mentioned, all of them have maintained great health and great energy throughout their throughout their careers. When I saw them two years ago on the Book of Souls tour, I was amazed that Bruce Dickinson was still able to do the things he can do physically. And I, you know, I know he's done fencing, and I know he you know, he keeps himself pretty active. But even Steve Harris, which I think I think is the oldest member of the band, I don't want to say that for sure, but he's I know I think he's at least seventy right now. But they, okay. they do they do maintain that energy, and I think that's great. And also. You know, we're talking about their new albums right now. You know, we just started the episode. There is not a band that I can think of that has been around as long as Iron Maiden that has still, that still consistently releases great material, like you, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode a short while ago. You know, whether it's Book of Souls, whether it's Brave New World, I think the other one is Dance of Death, which is another superb album. Uh, yeah. I, I find all yeah. their material, you know, still still resonates with their fans, and it's still great. I mean, it's the Iron Maiden sound. There's evolution in their music, but it's minimal. I mean, you still it still sounds like Iron Maiden. They do, yeah. you know, these, these incredibly, you know, songs that are like, you know, seven to ten minutes long. And, you know, whether, you know, like Passchendaele or Blood Brothers or I'm trying to think of the, some of the stuff on, on Book of Souls. But I don't know if there is a band that was around in the 80s that still releases albums that people still listen to that are great, that are good. I mean, I mean, I mean and I know there's people that still do. I mean, we could talk about those bands. I don't want to say that no one does that. But... When you look at the body of work of Maiden and how every album is still still kicks ass over a 40-year period, there may have been a couple duds in there. I mean, like, what's the one? No Prayer for the Dying, I think, is eh. Um, you know, obviously, they had the replacement uh, singer, uh, and I forget his name. He does the uh, the two albums, you know, with a book that Bruce Dickinson was not on. And, was it Blaze Daily? Yeah, Blaze Daily, and even some of that, um, like like the movie, like the song "The Klansman," which is off of I forget what album with him, is one of my favorite Maiden tunes. You know, and then the version that Bruce Dickinson does live is absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I, you know, in terms of consistency, in terms of really honing their craft and releasing good material, you're right, man. I mean, their newer stuff to me 
is just right there with the with the classic stuff. I mean, there's really, you know, no difference in my opinion. I ha- I have to say, you mentioned no prayer for the dying in in that trajectory. You know, like because they were on a roll for a while in the um, in those sort of glory years, those '80s years, and then um, you know, and I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, but um, uh, that no prayer for the dying album. I think I think it's less less proggy. Adrian Smith, one of the original dual lead guitar players, you know, he stepped away. You know, it, it definitely affected the writing, but uh, I, 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 I really like that album. You know, I go back and play it. Maybe there's some nostalgic aspect to it, but uh, that one and um, the one after that, Fear of the Dark. Oh, I love were, Fear of the Dark. Um, Something, something definitely changed. Maybe it was me coming of age or uh, a guitar, lead guitar player being replaced. Um, I feel like the artwork wasn't on the album cover. Wasn't as, uh, yeah, those, those, you know, there, there's, there's definitely ups and downs with those guys, but it's all, you know, cause I, I, I was really meticulous. Like, you know, you know, from like Number of the Beast up to uh, Seventh Son, the artwork. You know, even on Iron Maiden and Killers is, is on the album covers is really um, and get kind of lost in it. You know, it's, and 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 somewhere in time, and Seventh Son was really epic. You know, like it just felt epic to me. And maybe it was just you know the gatefold aspect or the um, the singles aspect where you know it, it, it was there was like a world to it. It felt like like a concept. I know they build Seventh Son as a concept, and then. You know, uh, no prayer for the dying seemed a little smaller. You know, it, but uh, but I go back and I still love it. It's still good. It, and it, it, it's not like a dog. You know, like ooh that album. You know, the only thing that felt you know just like when they when Dickinson left and um, I think they, I think his name's Blaze Bailey. They brought him. I just they they lost me at that point. You know, um, it was just sort of like I, I had some friends who bought it and went and saw it and I, I just, I just didn't, you know, it wasn't until they, they came back in 99 where, you know, I saw them at the Aragon and it was like, yes, okay, cool. You know, there's three guitar players on stage now and Dickinson is doing the Klansman. Like you said, he's doing Blaze's material. I was just like, that's so great. You know, it wasn't like, I'm so, I'm only going to do my stuff. Like I'm going to do Iron Maiden music, you know, whatever it is, which I thought was really cool. That is a credit um, to him. He did it well. Yeah. That is, that is a yeah. credit to him to do that to kind of put his ego aside and, and do a song, which, cause I think the Klansman is one of their best songs of all time. And, you know, if you mm-hmm. listen to the, the structure of the song and just the build up and everything, it's a, it's an amazing song. I was at that show in 99 in Aragon. That was prior to the brave new world tour. That was what happened. If I remember correctly, and if anyone hears this and wants to correct me, I have no problem with it. But as I remember it, they blaze left after the re, after the release of the second album with him and i don't know if it was it might have been mutual because album sales were way down concert tickets were you know sales were way down and bruce came back in the band and they had all these fulfillments that they had to do they had to fulfill all these all these concert dates so they they decided to do it with Bruce instead of eat all that money, which, of course, is a good business decision. But they played Aragon Ballroom, and they played a bunch of places in the States that were probably around 2,000-seaters, you know, 1,500 to 3,000-seaters, which to see Maiden in that environment is 
incredible in itself. And I remember going to that show, and I remember I got there really early with my friends, and we got to the front. And I just remember when Maiden went on, me having to extend my arms on the the gate or the fence in front of me, whatever they had back then, because I was worried about getting crushed because everybody went forward when they came on. And it was like, holy shit, I think I'm going to die. And I remember, you know, I'm 6'2". I remember just pushing back with my arms straight out in front of me to so I wouldn't, like, you know, end up a casualty at the Iron Maiden show in Chicago because I really thought that for a second. I'm like, I'm going to get trampled to death. I'm going to get, you know, because everyone's like, you know, rushing forward. But it was a great experience. And then they went back in and they did Brave New World, um, you know, with three guitar players and a return of Bruce Dickinson. And I thought that was a great return record or great comeback record, if you want to call it, with with Bruce Dickinson. But, um, you know, getting back to our childhood and getting back to the impact that Maiden had on us, Prior to me experiencing Iron Maiden or knowing of Iron Maiden, they were at the forefront of the new wave of British heavy metal. You know, it was them. It was Def Leppard. Yeah. Uh, those were the two big ones. You know, a lot of people want to put Motorhead or Judas Priest in a new wave of British metal. I know Motorhead you can go back and forth with. I don't think they're new wave of British heavy metal. Priest was out already for a few years prior to that, so... They had other bands, too, like Saxon and Tigers of Pantang and Diamond Head and Tank, Praying Mantis, all these bands that were part of that new movement. And one of the things that was so great about that era of music and that, that, that wave of, of metal from, from the U.K. was the artwork. Because all those albums by all those bands had something interesting on the cover. It wasn't just four guys standing there with a picture and the name in the corner and whatever. Every album, you know, we, we could go deep into New Wave of British Heavy Metal. I know we're not to, but you could talk about like Tokyo Blade or the band Quartz and Witchfind and all these all these bands. And you look at these album covers and you're like, man, these are these are killer. And you talked about killers. And there's, the, you know, there's the Iron Maiden first record too as well. Plus they had the Maiden Japan you know, live EP that was that was popular too. And this was all with Paul Diano. And the artwork was just as important to the Iron Maiden legacy or is just as, as important to the Iron Maiden legacy as the music. Because like you said, man, you saw these album covers and you just got lost into what was going on because there was stuff on the back cover, especially with Somewhere in Time and Power Slave. And there was just there were just things going on and like imagery that we were not used to seeing at such a young age, you know, with the monster Eddie, with the devil, and 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 all this stuff going on, it just resonated. And I remember the first time I knew or found out about Iron Maiden, I was at a, a friend of my parents' house. We were there for a dinner or a barbecue or something, and the youngest son was like six, five or six years older than me, and I think I was like eight years old at the time nine years old forget you know it's all hazy back then but I was in his room and we were listening to music we were listening to Twisted Sister um Stay Hungry album and I Uh remember looking on the wall at this from from the from the bottom to the top of the wall this fluorescent poster of 
or whatever they called it back then of the cover of the number of the beast album by maiden when you turn the lights off the eddie and the devil glowed in the dark and i remember being yeah. scared out of my mind at on one side of my mind and thinking how freaking cool that was on the other side i was like conflicted and i didn't know any of their music yeah. at that time i just knew the imagery and how it resonated with me and it was a big moment in my journey of music yeah yeah i mean being a kid probably under 13 years old going to the the, the record shop with my dad um you know, I'm probably maybe less than 10 years old and going to, uh, there was a, a shop in Mount Prospect called the Big Apple. Yes. And, yes. um, it, it was big. It, it was big and it had rows and there was the record bins. And I just remember piece of the peace of mind album cover, you know, at the front of the, um, you, you, you know, the, the lines of records, but that was like the front and I could see that. And then I could see more behind it. And it was, it, it was definitely intriguing. You know, it was definitely, definitely, you know, grabbed me in and, and, um, get, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, that's, you know, that is a little scary, you know, it's definitely scary and it looks really, really cool. Like it, it looked like a little glimpse into a much larger thing, you know, and it definitely was because the artwork is kind of like, that's what I feel like. I feel like when the artwork is really happening and there's a lot of like riff on an idea, that's when like, it's like maiden, the spirit of maiden. It, that's like, it's like, that's the, um, you know, I want to say like, like that, that's the scope of what's going on. Like that's the world that I'm going to get into. You know, I love seeing like, like I'll, I'll see it. Like I, I have it on the computer right now and I'm, I'm just, I just typed in maiden artwork and it's just, there's so many, I risks on an idea, you know, for, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. And, and it's, they're all really, really cool. You know, and, and the original stuff is like, it has that airbrush quality to it, you know, where it, it, there's a little bit of uh, electricity to it. You know, and we're talking about a rotting corpse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, a rotting corpse and all these different scenarios and, and, and celebrations. But like, I think that's what it is though, man. It's, 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 it's like, um, there's something about, as I'm talking about this, here, here, here's an idea, but it, 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 it there's something about being really alive with, um, with, with the music. It, it, there's a celebration. Um, it's like, here's this Iron Maiden. So an Iron Maiden is a, um, uh, is a torture device. You know, you're sort of, you're sort of kept in this thing, but it's about prevailing from that and, and all this stuff. So you've got this, this, this zombie, you know, this rotting zombie that's still alive. And, and, and to me, I think that's the spirit coming through it. That's the, uh, the bolt of electricity that's the lightning on the uh the forehead of the live after death album it's that's metal that's life that's the celebration of of of, of what it is and maybe this is the statement for the end of the podcast i don't know but i it's definitely there you know when i go back to seeing that first peace of mind album cover here the scary zombie being um in a straitjacket with chains holding it in the corner there's some light being shined on it and it's, it's definitely alive and dangerous, you know, like, uh, and, and maybe that's what it is. You know, that, that's metal, you know, culture, society at that point wanted to kind of contain it. And, you know, like this mad dog, you know, we're, 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 we're coming at you, you know, like that's, 
that definitely got communicated to me as a kid seeing the stuff. Um, it's a little dangerous. It's, it's, it's a killer, uh, a, a zombie with an ax, you know, uh, um, the whole devil thing, you know, that's scary. Even though I, I look at it now and it's kind of silly, but it's, I, I don't know. It's great, man. It's all, it's all good fun. It's, it's like, I want to get into it. And, and I, I like, I, that's what I like about Maiden is, is I can get into it and I can keep on getting into it, you know, and those newer albums, I can search more of it. You know, it's, it's, I get the album. There's, there's, there's three, there's, you know, it's a triple gatefold and, and there's, there's three discs and there's the live album, which I haven't explored as much as I wanted to. And it's, there's a depth of, of work there. You know, that's, that's what Maiden does, which I think is awesome, which is what I would like, I, I would wish Kiss would do, or I wish Metallica would follow them a little bit more, you know, because, you know, Kiss feels like it, it's, here's the product, okay? And we're going to sell you the same product over and over and again. And, you know, and you might get some new material, but it's pretty much, here's the formula. You know, Iron Maiden, it just feels like, you know, we're, we're, we're tapping everybody in the band, and we're all going to lean on each other, and but we're going to rest back on the strength of what we're doing and we're going to be awesome. We're going to be good. That's all there. That's all there in the album covers and that's all there in the t-shirts and that's all there. That That's what I, that's, that that's what I was drawn to initially through the artwork, either seeing the album covers or seeing kids at school wearing those t-shirts. But then I get in there and listen to it and it's just like, yeah, these guys, you know, these guys freaking bring it, you know, <laughs> you know, definitely. That's, that's an interesting, I've never thought of it that way about how, you know, the Iron Maiden is a torture device and Eddie is this zombie. You can't kill. You can't, you know, take, you know, you can't bring him down. And I've never looked at it that way. And, and, and that sort of lens and set that sort of idea. And that's, that is so true what you just said because I'm I'm thinking about all the concepts, the conceptual artwork that they had, you know, whether it's, you know, the first album Killers through Number of the Beast, through Peace of Mind and Power Slave and on. It just seems like you can't keep them down and and no matter what you do, no matter where you go, whether it's in a straight jacket, whether it's in the whether it's in the uh the pyramids of Egypt, whether it's, you know, power slave. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's in somewhere in time, whether, you know, wherever it is, you can't keep Eddie down. And Eddie is like this, this, um, this, this idea of what rock and roll and heavy metal is. You can't keep it down. It's always going to fight through. It's always going to battle back. It's always going to be alive. I, I never thought of it that way, and that's really, really cool. I, I, I always say that I always learn something or feel something different during an episode, and that's the moment here because, yeah, that's what gives me a whole different perspective on the artwork now, and I'm going to look at everything now like I just saw it for the first time, so thank you for that. But you well, also- It's like the Iron Maiden song, the, the Iron Maiden song, whatever lyrics, who well, whoever, uh, uh, I, uh, Iron Maiden's going to get you no matter how far, you know, it's like I'm coming at you. Like, I'm, it's relentless. And, 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 and that's what metal is on its best day, you know. And we've all been dis- disappointed when, you know, it, it, it becomes a chore or a slog or, 
you know, when you can tell the band isn't necessarily feeling, feeling it and the resting on their laurels. And that's the one thing about Maiden that I, that I have to come back to on this one. It, they're still bringing all that with them and it still feels like they're, they're have that spirit on stage and they're still putting out albums. They've, they've, they've crossed over and, and they're, a, they're a cult status band, but it's, it's, how many cult bands are flying around the world in their own jet with the singer sing, you know, flying the, flying the damn airplane part of the time. And, and, uh, it's, it's just great, man. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting more excited as we're talking about this, about how much I love these guys, how cool they are. And, you know, just how grateful I am to have had this band in my life growing up, you know, and, and how much more I want to explore them. There is so much to explore Their Their music is so definitive and it's so deep. And whether it's, you know, singing about, you know, historical moments, like, you know, I, I mentioned before, like Passchendaele or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, other, other songs that they have that are about historical moments and periods. Matter of Life and Death has a huge um, influence on, on all that, especially with their album cover about the effects of war. It's just, yeah. they have defined heavy metal music, I think more so than bands like Metallica or Ozzy. No other band has defined heavy metal, I think, other than Black Sabbath, than Iron Maiden has. I think those are the two bands, you know, because Metallica kind of developed their own genre with thrash, and they're very influenced. Judas Priest obviously is there. Motorhead is there. We could talk about those bands. But if you want to talk about, you know, you start with the influence of Black Sabbath, but then you start with the legacy and longevity of Iron Maiden and how from the 80s they've grown into this huge international act. You know, whether they go to South America, whether they go to Japan, Central America. I mean, when I watched that Flight 66 documentary and they have the live songs and they have, you know, bits in between and you see the reaction of people in Colombia and you see the reaction of people in Costa Rica and Rio de Janeiro. They're huge in the United yeah. States, and they're huge in the U.K. and in Europe. But when you see those fans break down into tears, like they've just, you know, and those are tears of happiness. Those are tears of joy. I, 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 yeah. I firmly believe that outside of Black Sabbath, there is no other heavy metal band that has impacted the genre as much as Iron Maiden. And I know Metallica fans will probably disagree with me, and I, and I get, respect that, and I get that. But when you think of what was their first album, 1979, 1980, all the way to present day now, and how they've grown internationally, Metallica, no doubt, is bigger internationally and you know domestically and in Europe and UK. Absolutely. Metallica is huge, okay? But... I'm talking about the legacy and the impact of their music. I think no, none other than Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden is 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 right there for heavy metal. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean they they are. Um, I want to say the cornerstone, but like you take a you know okay, so you got you mentioned Black Sabbath, you know, and then you got Maiden, okay, and then you got like. You know, I'm not throwing Judas Priest in there. Okay, so in the, in the name of the band, you have Iron Maiden. You know, that, that, that's metal. Black Sabbath, black is dark. 
you know, uh, Judas Priest has British Steel. That's metal. You know, it's it's Metallica. It's metal. It's it's they they are um, defining because you have to think about the, the the context of when they came out because you, you know there there was hard rock and there was progression. Definitely defined it. You know, the the, the name Iron Maiden. You know, that it it metal is in the title. When I got into UFO, which was after I had gotten into Maiden, you know, because like junior high, sort of my coming of age time, um, you know, it was Metallica, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, you know, uh, sort of the, for, for me, it was sort of like, you know, kind of the ACDC, kind of the bands that I saw the other kids, uh, you know, the burnout kids when I was in junior high wearing the t shirts, you know, Ozzy, uh, Ozzy Osbourne. The, the Randy Rhodes tribute album like that that was sort of like those were the ones that I kind of went to first because I would see them through the t-shirts of the other kids at school Maiden being metal uh, Metallica being metal and at that time they were still it was still kind of wide open they were kind of defining it against I think it was against sort of a, a contemporary FM radio thing you know from what i understand you know am radio was like the thing in the 60s and then it sort of am mono then fm stereo and then the album became like a thing in the 70s and they sort of grew out of that and they were kind of defining the genre you know now i know the genre has has has, has split and there's all these sub metal um you, you know you know just stuff that's incredibly fast or incredibly dark or incredibly satanic or incredibly uh slow um but this was still like, you know, digestible songs based on sort of um, uh, an FM radio format, but there was a proggy element to it, and they really built on what like UFO was doing with like the dual guitar harmonies and and the prog the longer songs and concepts and you know Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, you know, and, like the Scorpions, like you you got those guitar players, those lead guitar players, and then and then Slayer. Yeah, I mean, they, they, these guys are definitely, you know, I, you know, Iron Maiden, ACDC, uh, Metallica, you know, sort of the baby brother of some of that. But these guys, I mean, they, they are a pillar of um, metal, you know, a, a definition. You're, you're going to be a metal band in that time. You know, definitely we have to, like, model, you know, understand what Maiden, Maiden is. And then, you know, where are we juxtaposition of that at least in, in my opinion Maiden and Metallica and, and um, you know Cliff Burton definitely was uh, Steve Steve Harris was definitely a big influence on Cliff Burton you know I mean Dave Mustaine even says it in that Cliff Amal video like Cliff Burton is like the next Steve Harris that's what he said in that interview um, yeah you mentioned the, yeah I, the, I don't know you mentioned the you mentioned the imagery on the t-shirts and I also remember yeah. the, the jean jacket and the back patches on the on the jean jackets. Oh yeah, that yeah. Maiden yeah. fans wore that like a badge of honor. You know that back patch oh, yeah. Of, yeah. of peace of mind or number of the beast or killers or whatever. And those were always considered like the dangerous kids, right? You know they called them burnouts yeah. or whatever back then in the day. Right, right, right. But the intrigue yeah. was always there. You know, for myself when I saw that imagery. It was just it, it yeah. was it was almost like it opened up a whole nother door of interest, you know, because you know, let's face it, you know, like you mentioned Kiss and you mentioned Van Halen. Van Halen did some interesting stuff with album covers too in the eighties, you know, the nineteen eighty four album sure. 
and the Fair Warning album and all you know all that. So they had some interest. And obviously, Kiss had the album covers, which was essentially them in makeup on every album cover. I think the only album Kiss ever did, or only two albums Kiss ever did without them on the cover, was Revenge and The Elder. I think everything else has always had them on the cover. So there was intrigue because of the, uh-huh. because of the faces and the masks of Kiss, but. With Maiden, it was different. With Maiden, it was like a fantasy. It was like this this imagination of what was going on. Sure. And it was so important yeah. to the legacy. The other thing that is that is remarkable is how, when we were younger, Number of the Beast, the album cover, was considered satanic. They were considered a satanic band. Remember all this big push by... You know the 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 evangelicals and 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 this whole Christian movement to ban heavy metal, which was like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, the Motley Crue, and you know with the pentagram on the cover of Shout the Devil album and all that. There was there it, there was a danger to it too as well. There was like I'm not supposed to be listening to it, especially myself who went to a Catholic school. That was like huge, like no no, you can't bring that album to 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 school. No way could you do that. And God forbid if you borrowed the cassette to one of your buddies and then their mother or father saw it, your parents would be getting a phone call. You know, what's your son listening to? What's your son giving my son? You know, he's corrupting me. So there was a whole dangerous element. People, I don't know if they they forgot that or maybe don't appreciate that anymore. But Maiden, and and also Ozzy, it, it makes, it blows my mind how Ozzy is now this pop culture icon. When I had to go through, and I've mentioned this before, covert ops to get albums like Bark at the Moon or The Ultimate Sin into my house so my parents wouldn't see it. And it was the same thing with Maiden. And now I see Maiden as this huge, huge international act that plays to thousands and thousands of people at each concert. You know, like you see the, you know, the Rock and Rio video and, you know, the, I mentioned before the Flight 66 documentary. Um, 666 documentary, I should say. But I remember all that stuff and or seeing all that and just saying to myself, this was a band that was so controversial when I was younger that people thought they were Satanists. People thought that they were like spreading the word of the devil. And now they're, I mean, would you consider them mainstream or I think they're more accepted by mainstream, you know, um, I think people kind of figured them out of what they were about. You know what this, you know if you read the lyrics yeah. to Hallowed Be Thy Name or Number of the Beast or all those songs, I mean, you know, the Trooper again with his, you know the historical elements of the Trooper and just all that stuff. Yeah. Um yeah. it's just remarkable how as time has moved on and gone on, a band like Iron Maiden and and for most part the the, the heavy metal genre has become more accepted by mainstream and as good music rather than this evil thing that your kids are listening to and your kids are going to be, you know, violent and they're going to be Satanists and they're going to be drug addicts and they're going to be horrible people. What's interesting about all that, man, is um, it's like on the way up, the, the genre of music in relation to FM radio, in relation to F to to MTV, you know, Iron Maiden wasn't on, you know, mainstream FM radio, and Iron Maiden was not on um, 
you know, mainstream MTV. You know, maybe they had a slot on a video or two on a headbanger's ball. Myself coming up, you know, the older kids were, you know, the, you know, the, the burnout kids that, um, you know, wore the shirts, you know, they're sort of bad, the rebellious, you know, uh, it's bad, it's satanic, whatever. You know, all of that stuff, which seems kind of very benign and, and very harmless now, but like, like they wove themselves into the zeitgeist and ultimately they've won, you know, like they, they, Bruce Dickinson leaving the, the band, you know, about the early nineties, you know, like heavy metal had sort of conquered, you know, it had sort of conquered its thing, you know, it had sort of won its shoot off its little corner of the, of the, um, you know, the popular consciousness. I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I don't think it was until Iron Maiden reconvened, you know, in 99 where they sort of like claim that and celebrate it and were able to go with it. But it's like, no, it's, it's, it's just mainstream. You know, it's, it's like Star Wars. It's, it's, there, there's nothing, I don't, I don't think it's rebellious anymore. It's more of like, you know, and then we're, you know, you know, the fans, you know, the Iron Maiden's fans are, you know, older, you know, we're older people. We're not teenagers anymore. And I'm sure there are teenagers that still get into it, but it's like, it's definitely accepted now. I don't know. They won, you know, they, they, they won the culture. They defined the culture too. You know, their fan base is extremely Um, loyal as well. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about a, you know, a hard loyalty to the, to the music, you know, the, the hardcore Iron Maiden fans are there through anything. Um, you know, they may stray a little bit, most of them or some of them, but they are there for Maiden when a new album comes out and a new tour. You know, part of the reason why their albums do so well is because of that hardcore fan base that they have. And it's well-deserved. I mean, they do put out, and they have put out, a incredible body of work. And, and, I, and, I, and I remain steadfast on this, too. And, I, and, I, and, I, and my, my opinion is very strong about from the Iron Maiden debut to their last album, Book of Souls. I mean, I know I mentioned No Prayer for the Dying as maybe being a little bit of a clunker. It's still good, though. I mean, like, compared to other bands' clunkers, you could still, like, enjoy it. It it still has its moments. But the whole body of work is just undeniable. It is undeniable. And then they have their live albums in between that just give you that very few bands... I know we mentioned Kiss. Kiss is probably one of the ones that I, I would mention. There's probably others. Have live albums that you can feel the energy and you can feel that vibe come through the speakers. And Maiden, especially with you know Live After Death, which was just incredible. Um, yeah. The, very few bands are able to give you that package, give you that feeling listening to a live album. They're, they are the quintessential heavy metal band, you know, in terms of just body work and longevity and stage presence and stage show. I mean, you know, we're not even talking about how they present themselves live. I mean, we mentioned the energy that each individual has, but their stage set is always incredible. Um, it's just, and it's loud too. I mean, I remember the last show I went to, Book of Souls, I couldn't hear for like two days. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 As we as yeah. we dis- as we dissect Iron Maiden and we talk about them in present day and we look back at their history. There's also the future. There's also the flip side of the coin. 
rumor is is that they're going to be releasing a new album in 2020. Uh, I know there's yeah, been, I heard that. Yeah, there's been rumblings about that now for the past few months. Iron Maiden's camp is always very tight with information, so we don't know. But there's also rumors yeah. about them touring with Judas Priest. Judas Priest has their 50th anniversary coming up in 2020, or now that we're in 2020. But how much longer can Maiden maintain and do this? I mean, they are set in their 70s or approaching their 70s. They are very active and physical on stage. It, you know, each show is, I could imagine just the way they move around, is physically physically demanding, obviously. So where does where this, I mean, how much longer is Maiden going to be there for us and giving us new music? I mean, I, in my opinion, I think this next album will be it in terms of new material. I think they'll do the formula where they, they'll tour with, you know, in promoting their new album, and then the next tour that they'll do, which was is always kind of a legacy slot that they do, will be their farewell tour. That's just me. Yeah, um, you know, man, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I saw the Rolling Stones play last summer, and uh, those guys were fucking on on the sec, you know, the latter part of their seventies, and. and um, you know, they're still making albums and putting out, um, I know, I know Maiden's a little bit more, um, you know, maybe a little bit more progressive or, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, these, these musicians can play it. I, I have no idea, man. I have, I have absolutely no idea. I know if something happened to Steve Harris or I, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, this guy surprised me. It's it, it just like they've had such a resurgence, you know, even in the last 10 years of, output you know and the output just like really you know good stuff it's it's it just it's 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 a phenomenal output um i think i, I can put on another strong album and you know it would be fun to see them with judas priest i don't know i i Judas priest for me is is not um yeah i'd probably enjoy seeing iron maiden more than judas priest i, I don't i don't know Judas Priest Live just just not um, you know I saw him on the Painkiller tour it was cool you know and I was like a youngster I was a freshman in high school so I definitely missed the heyday of the eighties with those guys but um, the vibe I get from Maiden is is they still recognize kind of the the sacredness of what they're doing they still believe in it and they're gonna they're gonna bring it um, I could see them doing another album and I could see them doing another tour if that's all there and it seems like I'm sure they have enough money, so I, I, I'm sure they they will continue doing it as long as they're physically able and 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 enjoying it. I, I can't see them slogging on if they're they're not having fun or um, life life throws us curveballs all the time. So it's kind of like you never know, you know, you never know what can happen. But yeah, you know, maybe maybe they want to go to fifty years. Fifty years sounds like a really long time. Um, I'm just thinking. So. In, I'm just thinking in terms of if you look at their history and and, and the gaps between albums. I think this, uh, if, if they do in fact release an album in 2020, it will be the shortest gap I think they've had since the Fear of the Dark, No Prayer for the Dying gap, because a lot of their albums have been five, six years 
in between since, you know, since Brave New World. I could be wrong on that, but I know from Book of Souls from, what was it, was Final Frontier or is it Matter of Life and Death before uh, Book of Souls? I think it was Final Frontier, right? Um, Final Frontier and then Book of Souls. Yes, you know? okay. yeah. So I think that was like a six-year gap, I want to say, from when that album came out. Now they're going to do, I think this is going to be a four-year gap. So if you if you look at Maiden at their age now, and they're gonna let's say they let's say they do release an album in 2020, and they do tour for the next, you know, they do the, they do the UK, Europe, international dates this year, and then they do the US next year, and then they do a legacy with the UK, US international, and then they do the US date. That'll be four years from now that they'll be done doing two tours after this album, four or five years. So my question then is, four or five years from now, they're going to be four or five years older, obviously. Will they, yeah. ha- will they have yeah. enough in the tank to do another album and do that all over again? Another four or five year, you know, and then that puts them right at that 50th anniversary thing, you know, which would be 19, or I'm sorry, 2029 or 2030. I don't know, man. I, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's a sad thing to think about because Maiden is, is still producing music and still making music at such a high level. But I'm just thinking, you know, if they, if they keep the same formula that they've had, which is the tour off, the, the album, the album tour, the legacy tour, new album, and, and so on. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't want it to happen, but I'm, I'm preparing myself for that to happen. At a certain point, we're going to, a lot of these guys are going to stop doing what they're doing or they're going to go out like Lemmy. For for me also, Jay, I, I'm trying to just stay in the present because life does kind of go sure. kind of fast. Um, you're probably right, but then, you know, Iron Maiden's also kind of a force of nature. So, yeah. you know, maybe they have another 10 years. I I, I know for me, like I, I still go to the shows and I still I still enjoy it. I do 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 I need them to go another twenty years? I, I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not sure. You know, do I need to see them every single time? I want to see them. I mean, it's definitely a treat. I, I know nothing lasts forever, but I I, I think they put out something that's kind of larger than themselves and and it's definitely an institution to kind of tap into. Um, I don't want to I don't want to see them play if Bruce Dickinson can't sing. The hard thing with, with, with Kiss, you know, of, of with, with Paul Stanley not having the range he once had, it's it's like I don't. It's just, it's just not something yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to. You see those guys having another 10, 10 years in them. I mean, look at the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're those guys were older than dirt when I saw them in, on Voodoo Lounge in '94, and it was like, you know, '89. Their Steel Wheels tour. They was like, man, Stones are old. You know, it's like, wow, defining a you know, a generation. So it's, there's a generation of people coming up with it and I guess we'll just have to see, you know, I'm not going to try to speculate on, you know, I mean, they're definitely at the end, they're closer to the end than they are at the beginning. You know, somebody like Ronnie James Dio gets taken out and that's sort of the end of that thing. And I've been hearing all this stuff about Ozzy, you know, and his condition, his potential condition. It's like, well, let's you know, hope I'm, I'm just trying not to focus on those things. Yeah. You know? Let's hope that they continue to make music and let's hope that they continue to make music at the level that they currently are doing it. You know, that's what every fan wants. 
you know, let's hope that they yeah. are able to do another 10 years. Another 10 years of Maiden is, is, a, is a great thing, right? Um, let's, let's, Absolutely. Just, let's just, you know, keep our fingers crossed that it continues to go as long as it possibly can. I, I, I am, I am with you a hundred percent. And, um, uh, you know, when they come through, I'm going to be there. And, uh, yeah, you know, one of the things that I, that I need to say, cause we, we talked about the t-shirts and, uh, you know, every band's got some merch and, uh, I pass on a lot of merch, you know, and I already have a lot of t-shirts. Um, but you know, I, uh, I bought two t-shirts uh, at the maid show this summer. You know, I rarely do that, but I was sort of like, you know what? I'm going to spend, you know, I'm going to go buy myself another t-shirt. I, I want another maiden shirt. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I it, it's fun. I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I get off on having a new iron maiden t-shirt, you know, it's just, it's like there's, there's six of them laid out there or whatever there is, you know, like I want, I want, I want one with uh, the tour dates on the back, and I want one with the best artwork. And, um, I bought two, so I, I'm still enjoying um, sporting a, a maiden shirt, you know. And I, I have a Seven Sun back patch on on a jean jacket. There you go. But I, I wasn't a burnout. I wasn't a burnout kid. <laughs> you know, I fantasized about being that, but I was also, you know, not able to go the full nine with that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in, in closing, what do you think is the most important part of Megan's maiden? What do you think is the most important part of maiden's legacy? Yeah. Um, most important part of their legacy. Um, you know, I think it's about freedom. I think it's about freedom and rebellion, freedom, express yourself. I mean, that's all good rock and roll and good metal. You know, it, it, it's just like, I'm free to do this over the top, larger than life. You know, it's about being alive, it's about being free. It's about, uh, you, you know, I'm marching to the beat of my own drummer. You know, I guess they're sort of a subculture that became respected part of our culture. The, the, the cult like status of them to be able to sort of carve out a, uh, a, a piece in history and uh, have a fan base to sustain it. Dual lead guitars, playing harmonies, playing, you know, uh, two guitar attack, you know, fast songs, harmonies, uh, operatic singing, crazy zombie gonna come out and, and fuck with you in a fun way, um, in a celebratory way. I don't know, it's all there. I, I can't find it in, you know, a quick phrase or sentence. Sure, sure, no. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's, if I were to define their legacy, you know, because we've talked about it throughout this interview, is obviously the music has to be good. If the music sucks, I don't care how great their imagery is or how much intrigue that imagery makes a child or a young kid have. If the music isn't good, it's going to fall. It's going to die, right? It, 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 may, it may spawn, you know, some minimal interest, but, you know, if the songs aren't there to hold your interest... It's just not going to happen for the fans. I think the biggest part of the legacy or the, or, or the main part of, of Iron Maiden's legacy is the intrigue, both the imagery and the music 
produced? I mean, when you talk about you sitting and looking at the album cover and having the songs to back it up, you know, we, we, let's, let's talk about Number of the Beast. You know, the iconic cover, the iconic title track, the big song in Run of the Hills, the intrigue from Hallowed Be Thy Name to Children of the Damned to Prisoner to 22 Acacia Avenue. It was a journey to find out what these songs meant and how you interpreted that. And you match that with the imagery on the cover. To me, that's the legacy, is intrigue. Because it made kids, it made young people go down a path of finding out what all this meant to them, their own personal. Like you, like when you mentioned the stuff earlier in the podcast about Iron Maiden not being able to keep you down and, and keep coming back and, and whatever. I mean, that, that's, that's a huge point of view, and, and, and that's a great point of view. never thought of it that way. But I think the, the biggest thing of their legacy is, is, the, is the intrigue it produced, their music and their imagery produced to suck a young kid into their music and not look back and not care what anyone else said. Oh, their music sucks. Oh, you can't listen to that. It's bad for you. And they just kept going. You couldn't kill them. You couldn't, you couldn't keep them down. And you couldn't keep their fans down because of that intrigue. So that's what, that's what I believe. I agree, man. I I, I think um, you got Eddie Eddie there welcoming you in the darkness, the rebellion, the uh, you know, and good fun. You know, and good fun yeah. is welcoming you. You know, inviting you in. I, I find that you know, once inside that little Iron Maiden world, it, you know, it, it's all there. It, the band definitely delivers, and um, you know, I think I think you summed it up great. You know, and and. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just grateful for, um, you know, for the institution, you know, that is Iron Maiden. So indeed, indeed. Well, let's wrap up there. Great way to end the conversation. Thanks yeah. once again, Justin. It was awesome. I, again, I appreciate that point of view cause it made me see it completely different. And I've been an Iron Maiden fan since I was a kid. So I never thought of it in the way that you expressed it, which is awesome. So I, I do appreciate I do appreciate you coming back on, man. It was awesome to have you. No problem, man. Hit me up anytime. And um, this was this was uh, fun once again. Absolutely. Well, just as he said, once again, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the twelve episodes of the holiday series. Hope you're all ready for new rock music, new tours, new bands, new albums in 2020. I have a feeling this is going to be a big year on all of it. But once again, thanks again for listening, and we will talk again soon. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 